Hey, everybody, and welcome to Mountain. Really glad you're hanging out with us. Uh, last week, the feedback has been that God moved very powerfully and used that message, simple message about three chairs, to really just speak to so many of us. And I just want to encourage you, if God spoke to you about a move you need to make, I just want to urge you to follow through and make that move. What a shame if God showed up and spoke through his word and then we didn't follow through with that, you know. I know that we can't be together right now and, and worship all in the same space and all that. But that isn't stopping God from lighting fires of spiritual renewal, thousands of them all over the place right now. So I, I just what I'm hearing and, and I'm encouraged by that, chair one, people rededicating themselves to the Lord. People moving out of chair two saying, I'm done with the compromise and the waffling. I'm really going to commit to Jesus in my life. Chair three people opening their mind and their heart to really receive the love and the grace of God. So this is a time of spiritual breakthrough. I know it's a horrible time and a hard time and there's loss and people are dying and the economy and all of that. But sometimes we kind of need a shakeup in order to wake up spiritually. And I see God doing that. And I want to just say, what is God saying to you in this strange time? We're not just going to get through this. I used to say, hey, hang on, everybody. We're going to get through it. I'm not saying that anymore. I believe we're going to come out of this stronger as a church, and I believe that's what God wants for you. God does some of his best work in the dark. So just be alert to whatever God is doing in you in this crazy time, because sometimes a shakeup is exactly what we need in order to wake up spiritually. Now, today I have some stuff I think is so fun to, for you to hear, and I, I can't wait to share it with you, but it's Mother's Day. So we, of course, need to start by just, I get the opportunity to say, to my wife and the mother of our kids, our three kids, Carla, happy Mother's Day. I love you. What an awesome partner and parent you are. And Mom's Day makes me miss my mom so much. Dot Kacharis is with my dad in Minnesota. She's 91. She's tiny of frame, but she is mighty in her faith and in her spirit. Mom, I love you and I miss you. Can't wait till when I can be with you. Give you a hug in person soon, I hope. To these two and to my mother-in-law, Helen Lund, and all the other moms, we just want to say genuinely happy Mother's Day. Now, I know that Mother's Day is kind of tricky for some people. It's not an awesome day for everyone. Um, maybe you didn't have a great relationship with your mom and that kind of thing. Um, but I think you're going to really appreciate what we share today. There's something for everyone today. In the Bible, there are so many great examples of strong, confident, bold, godly women. Um, Ruth, Esther, Deborah, um, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Martha, Phoebe, Lydia, so many like that. And it's even more remarkable when you think about how uh, it comes from a, a time when, when the Bible was written, which was so male-dominated, almost as if God was saying, I want you to really see these women. I want you to really hear from these women. Well, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to hear from some women. Now, um, moms do a lot of listening. That's just what they do. Um, I actually asked on Facebook, what are some things that a mother might hear said to her during our shelter-in-place lockdown situation? Here are some of the answers I got from y'all. Why do we need to clean? No one can come over anyway. I'm bored. I'm hungry. Why is daddy always talking to his computer? When can I see my friends again? 
that's not the way my teacher at school does it. My other teacher wears different clothes every day, Mom. Mom, I'm hungry. Why is there no food in this house? Or my favorite, Mom, 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 Mom. Moms do a lot of listening, don't they? They really do. And today, we're going to flip that around and we're going to listen to them. Mountain has our own cast of strong, remarkable, godly women. And we rounded up four of them today, all of them moms. And we asked them just to dish a little bit on life during COVID reality. And I don't care who you are, there's something we can all learn from this. So let's give it a listen. So back up, tell us, uh, some people may not know your family. Uh, tell us about who's in the household, who's who, who you trapped with right now. So uh, my husband, uh, Christian Duripendi, uh, we've been married about 17 years now almost so we have two kids uh, six and ten Hannah and Priscilla we have six kids as you know we're part of a blended family my husband Rob had three girls um, I had two children a daughter and a son and then we have our baby together and our baby just turned 20 and um, our oldest two kids are both 32 and we have several in between. So I am a single mom, I have two kids. I, I talk about Joshua a lot. Joseph is my uh, 30 year old and Joshua's 19. All right, so I am trapped with Luke, which is good. He is helpful. But then I have five others that are a little less than. So we have JL who's, JL who's 12, we have Jada who's nine, we have Maya who's seven, Trey who's five, and Jai who is four. There's a lot of them, and they just don't leave because they're not allowed. All right, what, what words would I use to describe your home right now? The, um, a lot of adjustment. Chaos would be the number one word. We've had a couple kids home, and it's been interesting at our home. I'm used to him being gone. Now there's cereal on the counter, and the dishes are in the sink, and I'm thinking in my mind, so who did you think was, how did you think they were gonna get in the dishwasher? Rob is um, our small groups pastor here at the church, and he is Zooming about eight to 10 hours a day, it feels like, from the kitchen table in a very loud voice. <laughs> okay, we can go from PJs to PJs. Like, you know, the laundry basket was filled with just PJs. I'm like, that's not good. You have to put on jeans like a couple times a week, or you have no concept of how you're expanding. But other than that, it's sweatpants and t-shirts every other day. <laughs> like, has there been like some surprises? Like, oh, this is actually kind of a cool thing or like a good thing that you wanna, you kinda hope doesn't go away when this is somehow different in the future? Yes, yeah. Our intentional family time has been huge. One thing we've done is we've done like a family walk or a bike ride every single day. The kids look forward to it. They're like, when does our family walk? And Luke and I both said like, we actually see our children, like really see them and process and see their personalities and see how much they've grown. And it's just been, it's been really, really good. Lately, the last few months or even years, I should say, during the week, I don't think we ever had like a family meal together around the table um, because just because of the work schedule and the school schedule. And so this has been awesome. So we take time for lunch together every, every day. Like uh, we all eat lunch together. We sit around the table and uh, we talk and uh, we laugh more, uh, which has been really good. 
I'm not packing lunches in the morning. That took me 40 minutes every day. <laughs> so that's been a blessing. Uh, but more than everything, I feel during our prayer time in the night, our, our family uh, prayer time, which was only really like uh, a quick Bible reading, a quick uh, prayer and a little tiny song and then we go to bed, that's it. <laughs> it's become more meaningful, it's become more purposeful and then we play music and we all worship together and uh, that's something we really want to continue. And this thing started eight some weeks ago now. What's been the challenge for you? We have had to have a schedule because if we don't, we all just roam around aimlessly, eating constantly. It's just insanity. I actually have was was reflecting on this the other day because I've been really blessed in this season to not have the extreme anxiety that I would often have. And I think that's only God's peace. But it certainly comes. Um, so I have been very intentional about being prayerful, one. Uh, two, just being really open with my friends, my family, just talking out. I think a lot of times when we can talk about what's making us anxious, it loses its power. Anxiety doesn't last forever. Every emotion has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And every pandemic has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And, and this too will end. Uh, so when we can think that way, we can think beyond, when we can think even the eternal perspective of one day all of this will end, and, and this isn't forever, it really calms your mind and your spirit to know, okay, I can, I can see this through and be okay. More practical perspective is the space and the thing that I can't just let the kids out in the backyard to like pray, like play and, uh, and just managing the schoolwork is a little bit of a challenge, like just the unknown, like and, and the kids sometimes are a little concerned, like are we not going to go back to school this year at all? Like they are concerned about that and just addressing that and talking to them. The challenge for me with Corona is I, I teach high school and I work at the epicenter and so doing both of those you would think because we're not going to school right now that that would be easier but it's not it's it's extremely difficult uh, to be a distance teacher we weren't we weren't ready for this the director of the Maryland State licensing here just in the middle of this conversation she says how's your services going at Mountain and I said you would not believe the number of people that are being reached. We talked for the next 20 minutes about God and how when there's a tragedy or when people are uncertain, people know where to go. It, it's, it's an uncertain time. You're not, you know you're not in control right now and you know where to go. There's, there's people that know where to go. But see, before this, we thought we were in control. Like, you know, when you think you're doing this thing and you got this thing figured out, um, you know, you don't need anybody. But she and I really got to sit and there wouldn't have been an opportunity to have that kind of conversation. So um, that it's opened some doors to really talk to people and um, just find out where people are. Yeah, the hardest part for me was the anxiety. It was making me feel sick and um, in a way that I have never felt like I was not really eating a lot, uh, not really able to sleep very much. I'm not really able to function in my normal role. So I think it was scary for my family too. Um, we do have a lot of health care providers in our family and um, I think that the, the burden is real. And um, you know, we're all in different situations, um, but I think there's fear and I think that there's concern and um, but also, you know, a um, 
a sense of responsibility too during this time. So it's hard to balance um, both of those things. Our son um, was a, a kidney transplant patient four years ago, and so he's immunocompromised. And so there's just an extra level of worry. Um, was really, you know, forced to take a look at, um, you know, the things that are really important to me in life. And it really, that part of it has been a struggle for me. The voice of fear was really loud. Talk to us about your, like, your vision for motherhood. You know, it's funny, I always wanted to be a mom. I always knew I wanted a lot of kids, and I always knew I wanted to adopt. That's kind of, I've always remembered that, that I always had enough love for my biological children and children who are not mine biologically, but given to me by God. And so my vision in all of that has always been, I just want my kids to feel loved and safe and protected and respected and ultimately that they would love Jesus. And if I could do those things, then I've done all right. The biggest thing I think about on Mother's Day with adoption is I always want to honor my kids' biological mothers in any way that I can. They're, they're very much on my mind during Mother's Day. Um, we didn't know their biological mothers. They were abandoned. We don't have any information about them or where they are. But somewhere they knew that they are missing a child on that day. And so I find myself really burdened and prayerful for their moms on Mother's Day. Um, as they get older and have more understanding, I'll talk with them about their moms, but also celebrate that I get to be their mom, that God picked me for their mom, and um, that I'm honored and blessed to do that. So I don't want Mother's Day for them to be um, a sad day by any means, but I want to honor who brought them into the world and celebrate that I get to raise them. Motherhood, to me, in my mind, I think about my mom and my dad and um and it's it's like we we're very close even though we're 1300 miles away from each other and um we talk pretty much every day even before corona and um I, there's just this relationship so that's what i see when i think about motherhood that just nurturing and and for me and my kids right now I'm having to step back. Um, just being a single mom and working those, working. So you gotta work. You, all of it's yours. All of it's your responsibility. And um, I've always had two jobs, always. And now I'm seeing the results of that. Now, I've seen the results of that. But um, as we were unpacking, we found this wooden Scrabble game that a few years ago I had gotten and I had purposed in my heart, we're gonna start a tradition. And I had this little Scrabble game, it was portable, and I, I picked a day of the week, it was Tuesday. I said, I don't care what, what's happening, we're going out to eat, we're taking this game and we're gonna sit at the table and while we wait for our food, we're gonna do Scrabble. And we did that for about, I don't know, a month or so. So when I was unpacking and it's sitting on my kitchen table, Joshua says, Mom, you remember when you used to make us go to the restaurants with this dumb thing? And I said, yes, I do. And um, 
that made me smile inside because you know to him it was yeah but you know just little things like that but I know now those things don't just happen and you've gotta you've gotta work at it and um gotta work at it so oh, my vision for motherhood I love motherhood I think it's really one of the most important jobs um, that we have that we're called to and um, I just feel like it should be a life-giving presence um, in the lives of our children and that um, we are um, one of the most important people that can teach show and demonstrate unconditional love to them. So that kind of embodies motherhood to me. I think when our kids are young, we um, it looks more like a sacrificial love, you know, where we're giving our body <laughs> and giving our time and our energy and our sleep and our, our desires. And we just give everything during that time. And then I think as our kids get older, you know, we're focusing more in a teacher and a come alongside role where we're trying to teach them right from wrong and, um, you know, teach them how to forgive and how to accept forgiveness. And also, um, I think just be their best encourager and cheerleader. And, um, and then for me, because my kids are all grown now and they're adults, I've really had to, to, be flexible and change like the way that I mother them and I'm finding it to be now like one of the most uh, rewarding and also like one of the biggest blessings in my life um, sorry <laughs> just to to be able to like walk through you know life with them the good and the bad and I'm learning how to discern when to listen <laughs> and when to speak. I may have spoke a lot more before, but I find myself listening a little bit more now. And, um, and just loving them no matter what. Yeah. Well, when I first started as a mom, I had a great grand vision, <laughs> which was like really awesome. Um, over the years, it started fading and fading. Um, but one of the things that I've realized, and me especially, I think I feel, uh, and I'm sure there are a lot of moms like me out there, uh, we are first generation immigrants. So I'm kind of in a unique position where everything is different for me when I'm raising my kids. Uh, that was initially a kind of a stressful thing for me. Like, okay, is it right to do? I mean, is it okay for them to do that? Like, uh, uh, there are so many good things I want them to learn from my culture, but there's also wonderful things from here that they should be learning. So it's just so hard, and um, one of the uh, one of the moms from our church, uh, an older, wiser mom, <laughs> um, uh, she was like, you know, always look at what God wants you to do, and it was just a simple thing. I should have known that, right? <laughs> but sometimes it takes someone to tell you that to really listen. And um, so now we try to have like a framework where. Um, if it's in the eyes of God, is it okay? I mean, something could be great from my background, I want my kids to do, but in, in the eyes of God may not be that important and it's not really worth it. So just letting go of those things 
and uh, I'm thankful that I have a husband who kind of kind of balances me out there. <laughs> He's sometimes more level-headed, so uh, um, so he, uh, yeah, so he, uh, yeah, so we talk about that and we pray. So those things helpful, and uh, and one thing I've found is having a relationship with the kids are more is more important than anything else. Again, I learned that from another mom from from here from church actually. So it's just uh, and just being present with them and uh, relationship is more important than everything else i mean I, and i try to do it it's just just to be able to listen and to be relatable that's more important than uh, and i'm not perfect uh, i'm not all the time but uh, at least to know that and to try to work i mean that's my goal <laughs> what, what has being a mom taught you about who god is so I think when I think about that unconditional love, it makes me think of how God loves me. And um, I don't think we always accept or acknowledge it on a regular basis, but that's truly where it comes from. Um, and God gives us that instinct to love our children in that way because He loves us that way. And God has taught me a couple things. Um, I feel like He's taught me not to get on all the roller coasters <laughs> as a parent, and um, he's taught me to wait at the end on the ground. <laughs> so when they get off, you know, they're going to have all the highs and lows, and, but when they get off, I am waiting there um, and can be the solid ground when they get off. So that's a big one, and I think I touched on this before, but just um, I've learned to adapt and change and know that one kid um, needs something and another kid needs something else. I've learned how to um, say I'm sorry. I'm not always right. And there's a lot of power in that. And I think what God has shown me through this pandemic is that I'm not, I'm not the one that keeps them safe. <laughs> I'm not the one who can make everything okay for them as much as I want to. And I think it's okay to try a little bit. I haven't let go all the way, but I'm ultimately not the one that can do that. And it's not what I can do for my kids, but it's what God can do for my kids. So today with, with my oldest one, um, I, I, I'll say to myself, you know, his mercies are new every morning. Like I say, my oldest one, he comes and he goes a little bit. So there's been times when I knew my child was living in somebody's car. There's been times when Joseph left and I went to Home Depot and I changed the locks on my door. I've been that mom that's done the tough love. What would make him change? What would make him want to do something better if he could continue to live a life that is not gonna take him down a good path. And I finally said like, that's not my life. I didn't make those choices. So that's hard for a mom, that's hard. Cause my love doesn't change for him. You know what I mean? You love him, it hurts, you cry. Um, I think I'm at that point where they've gotta want it more than I want it. But it's taught me with him just to love him like it, just to love him where he is how he is just to love him 
So there used to be a time when we would just be like, oh, no, you can't. You, you need to do this. And no, why are you doing that? And you know that and back and forth. And so now just loving. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're not going to do. But in the midst of that, even when God um, chastises us, he does it in love. You know, he's not this, you know. And so I've learned that in the, I don't know, but I've learned that and I'm, I'm using it now. Uh, hadn't, hadn't always used that, you know, but I've, I've learned that from him. Being a mom, uh, his unfailing love, when we first came to the country, it was in 2004 uh, of December. Uh, we came to the United States, uh, my, my husband and I. And uh, so I was not really a believer at the time. I was uh, more of a churchgoer, like a regular, like a cultural Christian. Um, and um, God got my attention and uh, in, a, in a way that was, I just couldn't turn away. Uh, my husband and I got baptized in the year 2006. And then, um, it's been uh, a great journey with God, walking with God. Uh, it's not been fun all the time. Um, it's just the whole um, immigration process um, is, and it's been over 15 years and we're still in the process. So um, it's been um, challenging. And a lot of times um, it's uncertain and it's uh, full, full, of, uh, full of unknowns and uh, kind of like how we are living right now. So. Um, so that's been our life pretty much all these years. I lost my mom a few years back, my dad last year, uh, and, and a lot of a lot of other things like that. So life happens, and that's how life is. And just that feeling that when you when you are in that place, you really start thinking like you're not there when your parents die. Like you're, I was not there when my mom was in the hospital. And you find that out in a text or in a phone call. So, um, yeah, so life happens and then that's life. And, uh, and, then you're, and then you start asking questions. And I, ha and I did ask questions like, you know, why? Like, why God? And why not? And, you know, what if? And, and, uh, and why don't? And all those questions we ask. Um, but through it all, the one thing that doesn't change is God. I mean, He is something that is unchanging. He is unchanging. And uh, it's one of the things um, that he's always, um, that's been really helpful for me is going back to scripture all the time. Uh, one of the verses I really, really like uh, from Isaiah 41, where he says, where God is telling us like, um, uh, I, I took you from the ends of the earth. I called you from the corners of the earth. You are my servant. Don't be afraid and don't be dismayed. I will uphold you in my righteous right hand. And he has. The one thing that my husband and I, Christian and I always prayed for was for God to lead us through to a good church where we could connect and grow and learn. And uh, along the way he has, uh, and we, we came here in 2007. And I mean, you hear of God's love all the time, like, oh, God loves you. I'm like, oh yeah, I know he loves me. And uh, his, you can't measure his love. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, you read it in the scriptures and everything. But when you have your own kid and you love them, it's, been, it's a small, tiny glimpse of that large, big love that God has for us. I mean, I, I don't think we can match that. I have learned about God that 
He really does unconditionally love us. And what I mean is, when I had kids, I never realized how much I would love my kids. Like how, how much I would desperately love them and long for them to do well and be safe and, and know that I love them. And when I think about um, God and his desire for us to know that he loves us and just how deeply he loves us, it's hard to even fathom that he can love us more than we can love our kids or that he can love our kids more than I can love my kids. That's, that is, it just blows my mind. It just shows how good that God is. So my mom died when I was six years old and I was blessed to get another mom. My dad remarried and she's been my mom uh, my whole life. And so I was blessed in that way. But you know, losing your mom young, it affects you. It's going to change you. It's going to change your perspective. And, and for me, um, the way that it's shifted my uh, mentality of being a mother is that I am really intentional with my kids because time isn't promised and you don't have forever with your kids. And so for me, it's about um, taking advantage of the time I get with them. And because she passed away from a health issue, I try to be really mindful about that. Um, just taking care of myself and my body and um, staying up with checkups and all those kinds of things. It's in the forefront of my mind having lost um, a mom so young. So um, it does shape things. Again, I was blessed to have a mom that cared for me, but it certainly shapes my mentality just about being a mom too, you know. You don't get your mom forever. You don't get her forever. And so take the time on Mother's Day or any other day that it comes up to just say thank you and that you love her and that you appreciate everything she's done because it means the world and you don't, you're not promised tomorrow. Coming from someone who lost their mom at six years old, you're not promised tomorrow to tell them that. And so take advantage of the holiday. It's not about coming up with the best gift or coming up with some big extravagant thing. It's about saying, Mom, you're awesome, and I love you, and thank you. What, do you, what, what message do you want to leave with moms today? Be nice to yourself, and that's not easy, but just be nice to yourself. That's all. Love yourself. <laughs> you have to take care of yourself first to be the caretaker for everybody, which you are. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is that you don't always have to have kids to be a mother. You can be, you know, that motherly presence for so many people in your life. Um, if you happen to have kids, that's great. <laughs> but if you don't, that's okay too, and you can still have a motherly presence um, and be able to show that. Just know that you're not alone. Sometimes motherhood can feel isolating, and I think that during this time particularly, it is isolating. It doesn't just feel it. It, it actually is physically isolating. During this time of anxiety and, and worry and just kind of feeling lost in the fear, um, my lady small group has really been a support for me and helping me to see what God was trying to show me during this time. And so for new moms, I know that's just a huge struggle with new babies and, and toddlers, and then we have a slew of moms trying to teach at home. So just reach out. Don't try to do it, you know, all alone. A community of believers and like-minded moms in the same season of life can really, really make a difference. Yeah, and then pray. <laughs> pray, pray, pray.
Sometimes being a mom is hard. It's a blessing, but it's hard at times. Psalms 61.2. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. If you're a mom, it's a blessing. I still to this day think about um, the miracle of this little person in my body. You're this little person. And I always say that uh, we can do a whole lot in our world, but only God gives life. You are the exact mom that your children needs. No one else can do it better than you. God picked you for these children. We all fail. None of us are perfect. We were never intended to be perfect. The, the plan was always for God to fill the gaps because we can't do it alone. And so don't doubt yourself in this time. Don't doubt that you were the exact right mother for your children because you have been chosen for them, to care for them and love them, and you're doing awesome. So hang in there. Hang in there.